Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. It is indeed. Good afternoon. Hello, Marlo. Welcome to 2019. Here we are back in the studio live with a friend of mine today. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. So, uh, yes, we're here talking technology as usual every Wednesday, 2 o'clock till 3.30. And today, Steve's with me. Steve, how would I introduce you? What can I describe you as? Probably internet geek. Internet geek. I think he's being a little bit uh, shy there, Steve. Uh, Steve, you've been involved in the internet space since when? Uh, early nineties. Early nineties. So you're you're a seasoned trooper. Is that fair to say? You've seen it all. I've seen the internet um, from very early days to uh, to boom and bust and, and beyond. Yes, that web 1.0 bust. Are we ready for a web 2.0 bust? We'll find out. Um, so, Steve, you started out where? How did you start out in this industry of ours then? Uh, well, I went to university and then came out of university and actually worked in medical electronics as a designing hardware and software. Right. Um, very quickly moved out of hardware and then into software and then randomly um after doing that for a couple of years went into uh mobile phone networks and worked for what was cellnet which is the precursor to o2 right um so you you saw the first early big old brick phones did you i had a very early brick phone and uh dom jolly style hello well not quite (laughs) quite that big but they were Reasonably big, and it was all um, on ETAX then, before even GSM was out, and we built the first one of the first GSM networks. And um, I actually probably sent the second SMS in the UK on 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 wow. network. Well, that was replied to someone who sent the first, first one. one sent it to me. <laughs> Bugger! Uh, Could have got that first one in. And uh, we were testing it, and. Uh, Yep, so I did that, um, but very rapid. I was meant to be there as a programmer, but very rapidly went out into designing uh, their networks and rolled out uh, what what would be known as an internet across the whole of the UK okay. for Cellnet, and uh, then knew of the founder of Demon Internet and went to a meeting at what was then the UK... Demon Internet being an ISP then. The, the first consumer ISP in the yeah. UK. Internet um, service provider, yeah. But it was the... Um, we went to a, a, a techie meeting called the UK Unix User Group, which is down in Farnborough. And that's where we planned how to build an internet service provider and that it could be done for £10 a month. Right. And uh, that was launched... That was dial-up, I that guess. That was dial-up. Uh, at the time, I think it was... God, those days were dial-up. Well, um, it was, you know, as the, in, in, when it launched in June '92. I think the modems were 2,400 board. So, yeah, it's 2.4 kilobits a second, which is now we're in megabits or hundreds of megabits a second. Yeah, I mean, look, we on, on today's show, we're going to be talking about 2018, what went right and wrong, and 2019 predictions. I'll be interested, because of your background, to see where you think 5G will fit into this but going forward. But we'll save that for a little later. So you're in Demon Internet. So... When you and I met, we were around in the London sort of startup scene. Um, what would that be? The early noughties, I guess. Um, Mid noughties, something yep. like that. So I was still I was at Demon until um, it got it was acquired in '98 by Scottish Telecom and then floated as Thus PLC in, 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 in oh I remember them in, yes in that, in that time and then uh, everything went very nicely and then there was the telecom crash. Um, and I left in 2005, and then uh, by that time, uh, because Demon had been acquired by a, a telco, 
or telecoms company it became very um, corporate and it took months to launch products when before you'd launch something by just designing it and building it and throwing it out the front door and uh, this you know from products took on average 12 to 18 months to launch a product Um, so then got back into startup world and I've been back there ever since so um, we were talking offline before um, you, you've been a angel investor or at least helping companies raise money in the past. Yep. So that was City Meets Tech. So, yeah, we ran in 2011, set up something called City Meets Tech, which was a pitch event. Um, there was a lot of activity going on in Shoreditch, um, where lots of creative companies were, were based. Was that, was that the magic roundabout, the Silicon yeah, Roundabout? The Silicon Roundabout yeah. was, was named by... Magic Ma- Roundabout. <laughs> well, it, well it, there, above it now is Magic Roundabout, which right. is a, sort of where some bars and restaurants are, but that's a, that's a, a latest development. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the, there were lots of tech startups based down in, in Shoreditch. Uh, the city was literally Finsbury Circus, Finsbury Square, which is half a mile away, but the city didn't know anything about um, startups at all. Uh, so I had a colleague who actually worked for a, a betting company. Right. He actually set up his, his company called Smarkets. And we will talk about them later the, in relation to the, the future of work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my other friend James was um, worked in the city, and they were worlds apart. So we put them together and decided that it was try and get some money out of the city into uh, into tech startups. And that's what City Meets Tech was all about. And we were saying that that liquidity of money from the city now has dried up because of Brexit, you were saying. Um, I think there's there's <coughs> the, the many reasons. I mean, one, especially in the city, a lot of the liquidity dried up because of bonuses were no longer given in cash, but in options to the, the company they're working for. Um, so that, A, ties you into the company and uh, stabilises the system that rather than just paying these massive cash bonuses where people then go and, you know, can buy a second property. Well, they were using their cash bonuses yeah, for, for SCIS and EIS, it, Enterprise Investment Scheme it, funding. Yeah, and that, you know, it's a huge tax advantage with SEIS, which, you know, would give you a 64% return on your investment and if the company went bust it would take it up to 95 yeah yeah so you were pretty much guaranteed that you were not going to be losing much money um from investing Uh, okay you were limited to 100 grand but it was slightly more it was 150 well no as individual company could take 150 oh that was right individual can only invest 100 and and why did they make it so small i always because i raised because it comes under state aid funding yeah you see i raised just under a million for a company i had and under eis and it always frustrated me because the first round of eis we did um high net worth individuals could do it and then they changed the law about a year or so later where you had to have a syndicated fund to do it you couldn't get high net worth individually anymore. Uh, you can, I mean, EIS, you can still invest up to twenty million or something. It's a, it's still quite a large amount. Amount. Okay. But it's with SEIS, it's 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 still a hundred. Hundred and fifty. Well, it's hundred and fifty into the company. Yeah. And it's a hundred thousand. I always think that SEIS, if they could have pushed that up to five hundred, would have it's, been the. The sweet spot. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's many of these things are, you know... This, that, by committee. That. It's by committee and it's also, you know, HMRC don't want to give too much away because they're, they're losing money out of it. Yeah. And and also it has to go into Europe for state aid funding regulations. Um, so, for example, there is another scheme called EMI, which is uh, a scheme to put stock options so that companies can issue stock options to staff 
and they are tax efficient. Um, however, HMR at the last last year, HMRC didn't get the documents into the European um, uh, to, to Europe on time. So up until I think it was about um, August this year, yeah. you couldn't actually set up an EMI scheme because they hadn't got it into you. They'd missed the deadline to get it into the European Council on, on time. And then they it by the time it, with all the other things going on in Europe, it, it just got dragged. And, and uh, What will happen post-Brexit, do you reckon, then? Uh, I would imagine we will still abide by state aid regulations so we're not completely an island that is not abiding by European regulations. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <clears throat> we won't talk about Brexit. That's a politics <laughs> programme, yeah. but, you know... Ah, turkeys. That's all I can say. Turkeys voting for Christmas. Um, okay, so City Tech. Um, and today you're doing what, would you say? Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, mentoring on startup programs. So there's accelerators like Techstars and Ignite, which I've mentioned. Because you were originally on Seed Camp, I noted. I was on Seed Camp, um, but Seed Camp has migrated really from an accelerator into a traditional fund. Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, Reshmash. Uh, who runs Sony. it? Yeah, and you know they've done phenomenally well. They mm. they were one of the f- very few initial um, funds to to invest in startups uh, at early stage. Is Sol still involved with it? Sol Klein? No, he's now involved with Local Globe, which right. is another. Right, that's him and his dad. Yeah, which is him and Robin. Yeah, um, they obviously were at Index. Um, Local Globe's done very well. Um, again, they they do invest in early stage, but it's the one in 10 that is early stage investments, uh, while Seedcamp were probably nine in 10 early stage investments. And yeah, they, but they've moved up the tree now. Yeah, they have moved up the tree, but they still do invest in, in early stage. Um, you know, while a lot of traditional VCs say they invest in early stage, but actually don't go anywhere near, you know, less than the, the one, two million round, um, which is, you know, used to be considered to be Series A is now is now seed seed fund, and before that, you've had several hundred thousand in 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 family and friends. When it used to be, you'd have tens of thousands in family and friends. So the whole steps have have gone up. So, is there anyone investing in seed? Uh, I mean, seed camp still do, and and you know, local globe still do. Um, but you know the traditional VCs are all moving into scale ups because yeah. that's, that's where the the, the, the money's to but, be made. But that's a self-defeating prophecy because you'll just kill the 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 ch- the, the pipeline if there's no startups coming through at the that, seed level. That, that's a big problem, and I think raising funding at early stage is going to become more and more difficult, especially as you know liquidity is mm. decreasing. People are much more scared of, of risky investments now. And uh, with the whole political situation, it's getting more and more risky and... and yeah, uncertainty, of and, course. And uncertainties, you know, and, and, you know, that there are a lot of other hubs in Europe who are desperately trying to, you know, take that liquidity that they have and, you know, invest in startups there and making, uh, you know, because London was was the biggest yeah, it was. tech hub in London. It is in, still, in, I guess. It is, yeah. it is still. Um, but, you know, they're going to be assuming the worst um coming out in march you know if we lose passporting where where fintech is such a huge part of the london tech scene and yeah. where fintech has absolutely yeah i mean we've got challenger banks like monza you know, and, and revolut have, have you know if, if you go to any bar or restaurant or whatever i would say 
you can guarantee that someone will pull out a card and it's a Monzo card. Yeah, yeah. And, I've know, got one. I've got a Revolut yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then there's people like, you know, George Bevis who set up Tide. Tide account for 10% of all new business accounts in the UK now. Really? So, of, of new sign-ups. Right, okay. So, okay. if you start a business, 10% of those businesses will have a Tide account. And that that is astounding. Um, you know, Monzo have got millions now, hmm. Tandem... You know, Tandem were going to get their own license, and they bought Harrods Bank because they've now got, they had a, a banking license. So you know, the, these challenger banks are really yeah. making a huge difference. Yeah, because over Christmas, Revolut got their banking license yeah. from Lithuania. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, uh, but 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 that won't work post two thousand nineteen if we crash out. Uh, yeah, if, if we go for a hard Brexit, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a big problem, and mm-hmm. you know that where if you look at the the wealth that is associated with the fintech in the UK, it's huge, and you know people like Frankfurt and Berlin, and you know other financial centres are desperate to get that business to go their way. Yeah, and and okay, making a slight early prediction, do you think uh, they will get their way? I mean, where, where do you see the landscape for 2019 in the startup world? No, I think, you know, I think the UK still has a very promising start. You know, we've got hubs in, in London still. Um, London is still a huge startup a growth area, and it's so easy to set up a startup now. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to set up one in Germany. It's much harder, and and in France, and you know, lots of other locations. Yeah, but um, the UK has still got a very, you know, we've got those big hubs up in Manchester, Newcastle, Birmingham, and you know, I think those that that there are there's a lot of excitement still about um, startups in the UK, and if you look at the actual investment that pe- that, that that companies have got we are still attracting more investment in the UK than mm. anywhere else in Europe. That might desperately t- completely change. But if the, if the investment um, landscape is, is not going to be as good in the future, you, you, you know, people go, oh, investors like startups, whatever. It's, it's not true. Investors want return on their investment. And that's all they care about. And if, they're not, if they don't see a return on investment, they won't invest. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, we, I, I look around and there are companies getting money, but as you say, it's at the higher levels, the upscale levels. It's still, yeah. I, I, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the startups that have reached new funding recently. Okay, we, we're going to play your first track. Now, why are we playing this first track? Um, this is, it was in the, in the very early, seven, well, 76, I think, or 75, and it was a, the first time I'd ever heard electronic music let alone dancish music but uh it was uh it, I, I it was something that completely blew my mind in terms of it was something so different from everything else out there and uh so it's space and magic fly indeed hope you enjoy this one we'll be back after this with predictions of what happens in 2019 but first a look back to the hits and misses of 2018 over to space
a little bit of magic fly from space. Now, look, if you've got a question for Steve or me, uh, here's how you can find out how to leave a question, I guess, on our Facebook page. Please join our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology, and leave a comment. Don't forget to tell your friends. Indeed. So, yes, if you want to leave us a question or a comment, uh, join the Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology, and let us know. We'll be watching. Anyway, back to you, Steve. Let's find out what did you think of 2018 technology-wise. Was there anything that sort of struck you as a trend or a, or a hit or a miss? Um, I think there's going to be revolutionary... Easy for you to say. Revolution changes in, in wearables. Um, I think they're getting very common now. Describe um, what a wearable is for those who don't know. It's wearing technology. So Okay, I, as I, simple as that. I have uh, various wearables on me. I he does. I, if you could see, he's got, what, one, two, five, six different wearables on him. Um, and they all disagree with each other, which is... Excellent. And, uh, but I think that's an also an interesting thing, is that the... The, they they are useful in certain respects, but they also because they don't they're not agreeing which one is right. So, so I can see a Fitbit. I've got a fit, I've got a, a, a mis- explain what you've a, got a, on a, you. A Misfit Ray, which is a steps and swimming and sleep tracker. Right. I've got a, a Mazfit, which is a Chinese company. Um, a Mazfit Core, which is another sleep, swim, steps, heart rate tracker. Um, and then an Al- Fitbit Alta HR, which has got a heart rate monitor on there as well, and, and steps obviously, and everything else, and Apple Watch, and then a Motive Ring. Uh, yeah, explain this one. This is so a, this the, is really so interesting. The, the ring is absolutely tiny. It it, it looks like a normal it's jet black jet, jet black ring made of titanium. Yep. So it's pretty strong, but it has in, on the centre of it. It has where you, the two pads where you charge it, but in between the two pads, it has an optical heart rate sensor. So it measures your steps, measures sleep, and your heart rate, and the, the ring is no more than a millimetre thick. It, no, it looks really it, comfortable. Last, I'd noticed last, it earlier. It lasts two or three days on a single charge, so it's quite amazing that the amount of technology packs in there. It uses Bluetooth to talk to the phone, and then all the software is in the phone that actually works out the sleep, how long you've been sleeping and, and your... Um, you know, collating all the data together. Okay, so I've got two questions. First question is... Why so many? And then the second question is, have they actually changed your behaviour? And they have slightly, because I'd actually try and do maintain my steps now. Um, 10,000, is that the goal? 10,000 is about the goal. Um, You know, also if I'm playing sports, it's quite useful to track how active you've been playing sports and what your heart rate gets up to. Yeah. Now, it is obviously optical heart rate, so it's not your real ECG heart rate. It is your blood pulsing around, Mm -hmm. uh, which is slightly different, but that's what they get approval for. Um, And, you know, obviously there are massive issues when at the moment they're not medical devices. They are fitness, fitness trackers. Um, or health trackers, but they're not actual medical devices because as soon as you put these things into medical realms, the approval process is hugely complex and phenomenally expensive. So, for example, on the Apple Watch now, you can measure your ECG by just... Is that the new Apple Watch? Yeah, so you touch the the, 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 the little button on the side and you then... It measures the signal between one arm to the other arm and you actually get a heart rate, your proper ECG across that. Um, however, it's it's available in the US now because it has been FDA approved, but it's not available in the UK because it hasn't gone through the 
uh, NHS approval systems yet, and it's strangely much more complex to get it through the, the UK slash European uh, approvals. So, of all the ones you've got, which is your favourite then? Um, is there a favourite? Not really. They they all have uh, certain benefits. I mean, it's the first time I've ever worn a ring. It's slightly weird because you know you can't close your fingers properly yeah. and things like that. However, apart from that, it's very unobtrusive. Um, I would say, um, you know, the Amaz Fit, which is as complex as the Fitbit, mm-hmm. um, has the same sort of display. But the Amaz Fit is half the price because it comes from China and it's. Uh, and so we haven't asked. You haven't answered really. Why? Why, why so many? Because I blog about them and they sent, start sending me. So where can I read about your blog? Uh, Eurotechnews.blogspot.com. Excellent. Get that in early, and we'll get that in later. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you, you, wearables. I mean, these are the ones that you've got for your wrist and fingers. Do you yeah. see other types of wearables coming no, I th- in? I think there will be wearables will come in as as medical devices so when apple get um their the the apple watch approved for use in europe it you know you it it, it's it's will detect heart rate and it will uh, detect heart rate anomalies so if you've got an arrhythmia or or you've got a, a fibrillation it will it will detect that and i think more and more devices will come out hmm which you will be able to wear 24 hours a day and, and you will be able to detect problems where at, at the moment, you know, if you have to, you've got a heart problem, you can be doing your normal day's business and then there'll be you to get a bit of stress or something and that causes something to happen. If you're wearing something 24 hours a day that is unobtrusive, um, it's likely to respond, you're likely to catch it. While if you go to you know you go I feel something's wrong you go to hospital by the time you go to hospital they wire you up to an ECG it's gone and, and yeah yeah it, you've missed the moment and you missed the moment yeah. I think now wearables are getting to say whether the technology is small enough and 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 accurate enough that you can literally wear these things 24 hours a day and yeah I, I am denied about getting an Apple watch for I still haven't gone for you know an IOT wearable device yet um, given my age. Um, it's probably I mean, I, a wise I mean, thing to start I, I, to look at. I actually find it phenomenally useful because, you know, it, you you do you can have notifications on there where it notifies you on everything. Um, so you know, every phone app you can have a. Most of them have an Apple Watch now. I actually just say have not installed most of them and only right. have um, critical ones. The critical ones that I use every day, and that a that reduces memory and reduces battery consumption, but also you know, I don't need to know whichever whatsapp when when i'm doing a whatsapp thing if i'm going to type a message i'm going to type a message now you know that's not really convenient to do on a watch but you still get notified that something's happened but you don't you don't actually need the app installed okay so wearables 2018 was a year they sort of started breaking out again so um amy webb uh is a futurologist who i follow uh, amyweb.io and she, she was interviewed by Molly Ringwood in the US on CNBC. And they were talking about how uh, the trend had been, you know, the phone aggregated everything, cameras, you know, in, in, into one thing. And now we're seeing this breakout, which is, you know, what you're seeing. So the phone still is the hub, that centre point, yep. isn't it? It's it's still where the data is viewed and, and the analysis is made. But these are just end points that are... Absolutely. Yeah, and also that's happening in the home as well when you're getting smart devices in the home. And I mean, I randomly have lots of air quality sensors around my, my flat just because they 
you, because I can. What wands do you have? Uh, <laughs> Xiaomi is a Chinese company that make everything. So if you go onto <laughs> me.com, yeah. you can, you, if you go onto the, the, unfortunately, the English version has got a subset which is such a small, it's probably a hundredth of what is available in China. Right. Well, if you go onto the Chinese site, they, are, they sell everything from, um, you know, the kitchen utensils to the most complex, high-tech um, stuff that you can make. So they make electric scooters, they make toothbrushes, they make pens, they make, they literally make everything. Literally anything and everything you yeah. think of, and, yeah. And, you know, and the high-tech stuff they make is very high-tech. And, you know, uh, if you can buy the stuff at, off Chinese sites at Chinese prices, they are so much lower than the that the, you can buy the Euro- European yeah. equivalents of. But anyway, um, but they, again... They use the phone as a smart hub because yeah, you you've pretty much on your phone have a quad or eight eight core yeah yeah it's very supercomputer yeah, would have been in the day absolutely and it's 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 you know as powerful as a, your desktop computer was five years ago or even even a couple of years ago and so the devices can now be just distri- distributed collect data and then you number crunch that on your phone which has got the the capability to do that. So you've got air filters, you've got Alexas. I have, say, a, a, two Alexas at home. I've got an Echo Plus, which controls all my lights, and the TV, and then an Echo Show, which I just have as a video viewer. And a... Yeah, I have six Alexas at home. Yeah. So so um, when did you start getting your Alexas? Uh, I got the Echo when it f- literally a few months after it first came out. Okay, so that's the Echo Dot 2. One. No, just the Echo One. Right. The, just the the, the the pillar one. Yeah. Then I got a Dot, um, and then I sold them and upgraded to a, an Echo Plus when that was released yeah, because it controlled the lights. Yeah. And then... Uh, using Zigbee, yeah. Using Zigbee indeed. And, uh, it, and I've, I, I actually bought a, a Logitech Harmony Hub, which is a TV remote control. You program it sort of the back end which tells it what you tell it what devices you've got it's got a little infrared and bluetooth um system inside so it will control an apple tv through bluetooth it will control your tv through infrared or so it it knows what these devices use and knows how to communicate with them right and then alexa knows how to talk to a harmony hub so you can sit there and go alexa turn on lounge lights and all your lights turn on or turn on TV and your TV turns on and it turns on your TiVo box and your whatever other box whatever yeah. that is needed to so that everything works and you can then change channels and they're not expensive the Harmony Hubs aren't expensive no, are they it's about 80 quid for the, the thing and it's got a sort of it's only internal infrared and it comes with a little external one that you, so you can position it for optimal positioning so that if it's if your hub's connected sitting wherever so that it's out the way and then you can put this tiny little infrared transceiver so that it will actually talk to your tv and all the other devices in the room at the the, the right angle so that it talks to everything so okay so now we've become couch potatoes and, indeed <laughs> no but so it's phenomenally useful for things like if i'm cooking i just set a, a set of timer oh completely and i just don't worry about it i just say Alexa set the whatever timer and it just does it and it works. And yes. If I need an alarm clock in the morning, if I want traffic, you know, and it will even read out your. It's connected to my. I use Apple's iCloud for my calendar and and. Yep. But it it just 
Talk, it tells you uh, your calendar. And, it tells yeah. me what, and I wake up and it tells me what's happening during the day. Now, I have to tell you, I've got so many friends who are, I think, technophobes, phobies. Um, you know, oh, no, they're listening to everything you say. Oh, my God. You know, but they are, and they're not. Uh, so I've actually, you know, looked at a network trace of... Uh, and Alexa doesn't sit there and just send everything back to Amazon. You have to actually say Alexa. Yes, you have to trigger it. Before it will then actually start looking for something to process then of course it sends everything back squirts it back to amazon who do whatever processing and then squirt the results back again but until you trigger it it does you know now it's not to say it's not storing it locally and there is a way potentially for amazon to go and get that data off it but as far as i'm aware well you can see all your transcripts in your alexa app yeah but but you know, uh, there there is there is a fear that it's actually storing everything locally for a certain period, and then um, that potentially could be made available at a later date. But there, you know, it it can't do that forever because there's not enough storage on the, on the yeah. unit. But you know, it, it say could store the last ten minutes worth of of what it's hearing and continue loop that, and then if something happens. Potentially, Amazon could go back and go, we're going to query that data. But as far as I'm aware, that doesn't happen. I don't believe they do that yet. I, I don't think they will because it's, it's you know, there's huge privacy issues and and it's the, as soon as there are, something was found like that... It would screw it, their market. It, it, yeah, yeah. They would, their market would just disappear overnight. And, and Amazon, you know, for all their, you know, that what, as, a, as a big corporate that they are, they... Complete, they, they beat Apple and Google because they completely opened their system up and made it available to everyone so that if you wanted to write an Alexa app or an Alexa skill, here's the tools to do it. Yeah. We'll make it really easy to do. And, you know, both Google and Apple launched their, their home services way before Amazon. And Amazon absolutely dominate that market now. Yeah, I mean, the, the downside, of course, was Christmas Day. All the, all the, everyone who bought their, you know, Alexas for their, you know, families or friends or whatever it was. I bought one for my parents-in-law and uh, one for a mate because they they, they came down to sub £30. I mean, it was just like giveaway, you know, value because if they didn't like it, I was like, okay, well, 30 quid, fine. Just put it in a cupboard and never worry about it. It's not 300 quid. Um, But sadly, Amazon failed. (laughs) And I, I, I actually... I didn't know they'd fail, but I, I actually tweeted about it because I, I literally all my skills stopped working. So it, yeah, no, it, I couldn't t- recognise various bits, but not everything. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, I'd go Amazon, turn the lights off, and it just went. I don't know lights. Yeah, I, I had this odd one where because I've got five lamps that are all connected to you know. Uh, Madam A, I won't say the word again in case it turns off everyone's lights <laughs> on. Um, uh, you know, and. Uh, Everyone went on, so my TP-Link plugs went on, but the Amazon plug that I've got didn't go on. Yeah. That was the one that failed. So it was just Amazon services that had yeah. failed. It wasn't everything. But they also, it was certain skills that it... it, it Clearly did. they're hosted on Amazon services. Absolutely. And, and you know, they are, that's a huge part of what Amazon did. But, the, but the, you know, in terms of what they did for users, it's like if you develop a skill... And in fact, now anybody can develop a skill. I, I yeah, developed a couple. And... Uh, you can, but if you know, if you have a very successful skill that they that people like, 
rather than saying here we're going to you know you have to host that on amazon infrastructure and it's going to cost you a fortune to, to to host amazon go actually host it for us for free because we'll give you that because you're doing this you've developed a skill that people like to use and so yeah that has encouraged the ecosystem to become very prolific with skills yeah the skills skills are for those who don't know are like plugins on your apple iphone or apps um so you know you lots of, there's hundreds of thousands of skills out there now yeah. um, and a lot of them are complete rubbish to be brutally honest i mean you know talk of the long tail of rubbish that is it, that is where they are because a lot of developers were learning how to use amazon skills and you know developed some you know test skills that that got published and people you know don't use them um the hardest thing for me is with skills is the syntax. So, you know, I, I, I forget whether I should be saying Madame A, ask or tell or what or... So I went through my skills last night because um, there's a really good skill. I, I highly recommend people go and look at it. It's called NOAA, N-O-A. just came out recently. And it's uh, people like Tom's, Thomas Friedman actually reading the New York Times daily, you know, and you can they will read it to you. And it, it's wonderful. It's... Um, it's a way of getting content read. So, um, but I looked at how I trigger those skills, and each one's got a different syntax. And I think that's a big problem that they've got to overcome. I think, yeah, but that will happen over time. That and, and and also Alexa's getting. Oh, sorry, the, the A word is Madam A. will call her. Is is getting is you know they're putting a huge amount of or Amazon are putting a huge amount of um, effort into actually um, using. AI, this this word that or artificial intelligence that I actually don't. Yes, we're going to talk about. You don't think it is artificial intelligence? But the uh, they they're putting a huge amount of effort into training these systems so that it it will know these differences in 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 trigger words that will. So if you go, Madam A tell or madam a ask it will know actually you're trying to do the same thing it's just you're going through it in a different way and they're they're building up these models now which are becoming phenomenally complex where they it can work out what you're trying to do yeah when friends say to me you know it it doesn't work it doesn't do this it doesn't do that i say look remember most technologies take a decade before they reach some sort of maturity look at the iphone 3 that came out the first one and now you look at the iphone 10 you know, a decade later, the, you know, the two are a million miles apart, you know. I read an interesting thing that the icon on your current iPhone is the same resolution as the whole screen was on the, the <laughs> original iPhone. Yeah. Wow. OK. And that's just shows how fast that's changed. I mean, I haven't I, actually the, we, we will come back to why, again, as a prediction, why a lot of people aren't upgrading their phones, though. Have we reached a plateau? But we'll, we'll talk about that after the news. Um, going back to the Alexas then and, and Amazon, um, where do you see the Internet of Things in the house going then? You know, is there, is it, is it are we going to reach a rapid plateau or, or have we got a long way to go? No, I, mean, I mean, I think that the, the, the everything will be connected. And, but the big problem with everything being connected... Uh, whether it uses a hub or is directly connected because certain things use Wi-Fi. Uh, the, obviously, Bluetooth devices use your phone as a hub or you can actually buy a sp- specific Bluetooth hub to connect, control them. Um, but, you know, your fridge will be connected, your TV but do, is already I, connected. I hear this one often, your fridge will be connected. Okay, 
And we've been saying that for probably the best part of 20 years in the industry. You know, the, the connected Samsung LG I fridge. Think, I think it's where people go for, we're going to get a connected fridge. It's, it's not actually going to be... You know, some of them have gimmicks where they've got a screen on them, and you can go. It, you you put your milk in, and it knows when your expiry date of the milk is, and whatever. But I think the main thing is where, and especially things in 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 washing machines and tumble dryers and and and, and traditional white goods, is that they will go. There's a fault. I will now call back to my yeah the callbacks yeah call back to the mothership yes and go something is wrong and. You will get a call from the engineer going, I'm coming round to fix your whatever device without you ever knowing something is wrong because it's triggered back a, 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 a fault. And I'm sure they'll happily do that for free. No. No, no but it doesn't. It, but I think the, the, the device will have that capability in for free. Obviously, if you know, if the, the call back to the. Because the, the, if, if you've got your whole house connected on the internet, yeah. who cares if you've got. 20 or 50 or 100 devices on there, you don't mind. No, absolutely. And they're, if they're sending maintenance data back to the manufacturer, you know, it's a value add. And as long as that traffic isn't excessive, you don't really care. And it's, it will be hidden around the background noise. And then it will, but it will make a huge difference when you go, you know, you, you, the, the machine detects that the, on your washing machine, that the bearing's going because you're getting excess vibration. And that before it fails. Yeah which can fail disastrously and you then you have a flood in the kitchen and whatever else or where your washing machine is it, they will come and tell you there is a fault on there we're going to come and fix it okay there will be a charge to fix it but it's going to be cheaper than letting it fail and potentially fail disastrously no and i i think that is the value add i think you're right and you know the the, the gimmicky front end part that you described i think is still going to be it'll come eventually in, in some form of value add i mean i I chose the Amazon ecosystem over the Google ecosystem because I firmly believe, well, one of my predictions for 2019 is that Amazon will buy Marks and Spencers or Ocado or Waitrose or one of the... Well, they've already bought Whole Foods and they're... That's what I'm saying. They're going to replicate that yeah. purchase. Um, and, you know, they, they will then... I think it's Ocado, personally. I think that's the one they will buy because it, they'll get the fleet as well with it for, for home delivery. Um, and that... Right now, so for example, I use my Echoes at home for shopping lists as well. And, um, you know, in the past, me and my wife would argue, oh, what's on the list? Who's got the list? I don't know what we've run out of. And now every time we run out of an item, as we run out, we add it to that. And then we just, but we can't purchase it. You know, there isn't a cardo skill that you can use, but yeah. it's a bit flaky. Um, but, but, I can, that get, but that will get better in time. Absolutely. And, that, that, you know, and if, you're, if you're ordering stuff off Amazon site, you you can literally just go, you know, whatever order something, and if it's Amazon have it in, on their site, they will say, do you want to order this? And you go yes, and then lo and behold, if if you know you're on Prime, it could be two hours later, it arrives through the door. Yeah. So there's there's two questions I want to uh, sort of expand upon. The first one uh, I'll come back to is about skills, but the, the the one here is there's been a lot of conversation about Amazon. Um, switching branding out for their own goods. So, for example, you know, you could say to your um, uh, Echo, um, I'd like to buy batteries. And it will say, well, you bought a branded battery before, like Duracell, but you could buy Amazon Basics battery. Would you like that instead? Um, 
and that's 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 an interesting thing. You know, a lot of people have been saying that actually Amazon shouldn't be allowed to sell its own products; it should be a marketplace for other products, but not its own products. That might get them into trouble. Well, yeah, I think at the moment, while it's uh, it's their product and their service, they can do what they like on it. Now, I'm sure that will eventually get regulated because it will become a a non-competitive system and and obviously various groups do not like cartels and non non competitiveness in the market so they may well but you know i'm they're, they're such a huge e-commerce site now that as long as you're buying stuff through them they don't yeah. really care if you're buying it directly through amazon or through one of their marketplace sellers and you know as long as you're buying it through amazon and in fact if you look go onto amazon.co.uk or amazon.com and you look for a product even if they don't sell it, they will have links to other sites that sell it. So the first place you go to is Amazon rather than using various other search engines out there. Yeah. Is they just want you to go through Amazon. That 90% of the time, you will find it on Amazon and you will buy it through Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think twice about doing that. And I think what's interesting for me is uh, they announced, again, around the Christmas period, I don't know if you saw this, that if you order via your voice assistant, your Alexa, um, and you return the item, the return is free. Yep. They've removed the return cost. But if you buy it from the website and try and return it, there's a cost. So they're trying to remove friction and move you to a voice-based e-commerce system, which is great. I think, you know, at least they're putting an incentive for you to try and do that. Have you ordered anything by voice out of interest? Uh, not yet. See, that's interesting because I've ordered one thing via voice. So what, what's restricting us from doing that? Because I, I don't, I mean, I, if, I, if, if Amazon I use for everything for sort of tech and for even things like uh, household, like detergent and stuff, but I don't order it regularly enough to warrant having it on an Amazon list. So... Okay, so I mean, I've got Amazon dashes, the little buttons for for certain things like the washing powder, and I hit a button. I did it for fun more than actually a necessity. Um, but what I found is because you've got an Echo Show, the the, the Amazon with a screen, yeah, I don't. And so I think if I had a show, um, ordering items would be more logical for me because I'd say, Amazon, order me this, and then the screen would show me the result. I mean, the, the, to be honest, the reason I bought a show was nothing to do with being able to use it for stuff like that is that i actually gave my mother my old echo spot right and she's quite old now and it i can now call her from my show to the spot the spot is the alarm clock if you don't know it's a little yeah but it's still got a screen on it and a camera yeah and I can call her by name and she can call me by name. Yeah. Have you enabled what they call drop-in? Yes. Yeah. So, um, but it also means that, you know, if, if something was to go wrong, I can I can call, you know, call her up and, and if she doesn't answer, at least it's, you know, and I know, you know, this is sitting in her living room where she, that's where she normally sits and does everything. And, you know, if she's, if it's, 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 it's a, a security measure now. Absolutely. Because, because I you can I... also actually use that from your phone as well. So that, you know, my sister who, she point blank refuses to have a, an, an uh, echo device in her, in her home, but she's not completely adverse to having it on her phone when you actually have to open it, use it, but again, you, you can use that to make a video call and make sure my mum's okay. Yeah, I mean, 
unfortunately, my parents have passed away now, but when my dad was alive, had had it, the Echo's been around, I would have got him one exactly the same reason. We've got one for Jill's parents, my wife, for that very reason. We, we didn't tell them it was that reason, by the way. Um, but we know that, for example, if one of them falls over and they can't get it. So my dad, when he was, he fell over when he was um, at home once and uh, we'd bought him like a pendant type alarm system. Of course, he didn't put the pendant on every day. So he couldn't reach the pendant to alert me. So he laid there till I came round. And, you know, I, had he got an echo at home, he could have gone, you know, call Sam or yep. drop in on Sam or whatever. And, and I would have been alerted to it. Um, and vice versa, as you exactly said, I would have put a show in the lounge and I could have just dropped in on him without him really knowing and just, oh, he's okay, cool, and move on. I think, you know, for people with elderly parents, I think it's, a, it's an amazing... Um, there was a, a skill called Ask Buddy, which literally... Uh, has been superseded now by by the functionality of the Echo, but it used to enable you to say, you know, I've fallen over, ask Buddy to call my list of, of, of yep. you know, designated named people. So I think, yeah, that's an interesting one. So, okay, so um, I think in the e-commerce space, I think voice commerce next year, uh, this year now, uh, I think will go, will increase significantly. I think it's good, and, and, you know, you, you look at hotels who are putting echoes into hotels and yeah and a lot of um they're using echo skills to actually be used by ivr systems as in interactive voices so you call rather than calling up a concierge a, a human yeah, yeah. You, you call up a voice service and yeah. that voice service is built using amazon echo skills mm. and, and therefore you know you can book a room in a hotel without ever speaking to a human and that is built on the Echo technology. Yeah. It's just you're using it at the back end rather than having it as a, as a thing that you're talking. And, and, of course, you can use that same technology to then go, okay, we've built the back end now. We'll just actually publish that as a skill on, uh, on, on, uh, on Amazon. Yeah. And then you can use that so that anybody with an Echo device could then use, use that yeah. to book a room. And I think skills in 2019 will become much more intelligent and much more useful, I think. And, the, and you know, I think the next stage is they'll be developed into the car. Well, uh, I was going to say, um, I've already got an order in for in one of the new minis with an Alexa built in. I've already got the little Rove. It's a ROAV, and it's like it goes into your fire uh, lighter. It's good... Don't get me wrong, you know, it adds the Alexa capability to your car to a degree I can I can be driving along and, say, play music. But I don't know if you noticed, the Amazon Music service uh, came out with a hands-free update. So you literally have the uh, Amazon Music uh, on your phone open in the car, and it listens, and you can just move the tracks along, yeah. but it doesn't do much more. The Rove will allow you to do all the other things, yeah. turn my lights on, change the heating, so when I'm out. But the real value proposition i think of alexa in the car is when it's fully integrated yeah. into the mapping system into the petrol into everything yeah. i mean i've got many and it, it also the it's quite old now but it has basic voice commands on there that you can tell it to change channel and you can change it from radio one and change it to cd or whatever but, yeah. it, but it is you know it's very basic um you know, it's the connected drive in the mini that's yeah. going to be upgraded which yeah. is great uh, and that will make a huge difference. I think so. I think, um, you know, yes, there's an element of gimmickry in it, and but there, there is an element of usefulness. You know, again, the number of times we take our hand off the steering wheel to change a channel 
or look down to add a postcode into a map or something, you know, hopefully that will uh, remove that value or, or desire to do that and, and make it safer. Certainly, you know, I'm looking at my 19-year-old daughter who fiddles with her phone to change music. I mean, I'd be much happier with an Alexa in that Mini so that she's not doing that. Um, so cars, okay, so, you know, we, we, we'll see that. I think Mercedes have licensed Google because theirs is Hey Mercedes, so I assume that's instead of Hey Google. Um, but yeah, so outside of cars, outside of IoT, um, the, I want to go back a step and, I, and just ask what your thoughts are on how will Amazon, do you think, monetize um, the Alexa other than just making money from selling hardware? So let me give you a little bit of context. If you and I Google um, the local Chinese restaurant, let's say, and we're on our laptop or phone, we get 10 results on the first page. We get three ads and then on the top and five ads down the side. But, of course, with a voice assistant, when you, you can do that now, you can say, you know, I, 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 it came available, again, just pre-Christmas. Um, I asked Alexa for the local Chinese. It came up with a list, and then I hit... Well, just call it then because I've got an Echo Connect. Just call. And it went off and it called it. Happy days. Um, but I only got one answer. <laughs> I didn't want three, five or seven answers. So how will they provide, you know, advertising? Even Google, let's say, forget Alexa. How will how will Google monetize? Well, Amazon, of course, got a massive advantage in that they, have to, they host the back-end application. So they're making money from the, the the actual skill app running in on Amazon's cloud infrastructure and the more popular it is the the more cpu more more power you need to give to these apps and therefore they are actually um, they're making money both on the selling the front end devices and on the running the back end hardware um, so uh, whether they actually need to make extra money by advertising or um, you know, but I think really what it will become is if you are listed on Amazon, especially as they put more of these services on there, that the, 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 the providers will pay to get premium space. Yeah. So if you go find me a Chinese restaurant in Marlow, the one who's paid the most money to Amazon will, exactly. will, will, will come up first. The, that keyword, developers will pay for keywords and skills will... I, I think we're going to see skills auto-load rather than preload. So instead of you having to preload a skill and then use it, it'll actually go, ah, oh, the first skill you should use is this because that's what you've got. Okay, we're, gonna, we're going to the news very quickly in a second um, and we're going to play your next track, which is Madness, One Step Beyond. Why this? Just a big, was a big Madness fan, um, saw them live and enjoyed their music and saw them at the Edinburgh Castle in, in Camden Town and... and um, that was it. Okay, when we come back after the news, we'll be talking about more predictions for 2019, looking at other areas that uh, AR, virtual reality, and the future of work, I guess, that would be another area to look at. Here's madness, though. Hey, you! Don't watch that! Watch this! This is the heavy, heavy monster sound! The nuttiest sound around! So if you've come in off the street and you're beginning to feel the heat... Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est, rock-steady beat of madness. One step beyond. 
You're listening to Sam Talks Technology, the UK's number one technology show. At least, that's what Sam told me to say. Hello, how are you? Uh, yes, I'm joined today by my friend Steve Kaminsky. We're talking all things business and technology here on Marlow FM. And we're going to have a look a little bit now at the future or past of social media. I mean, Facebook had a horrible 2018, I think. I think it's his Annus Horribles, I think, uh, would be the best way to describe it for Mr Zuckerberg. What do you think, Steve? I, I, you know, he has, there's a lot of people that have left Facebook or... Or at least, I think, where people have left, if, if they haven't left Facebook, they've deinstalled the mobile app. Have you done that? No, I'm still using Facebook. <laughs> no, no, but, so not us, then? Uh, no, definitely. And, and I know some people who have, but I, I think yeah, there is a... Uh, they had horrible data problems um, or data leak problems and people misusing the data that was available... Um, and they didn't do enough quickly enough to stop it when they found out what was happening. In fact, they probably, in some ways, encouraged it because they were using it. They were they were getting a lot of money from people using that the, the access to that data. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they are slightly more complicit than they claim. Yes, and I think that people have um, are, you know much more worried about how that data is being used or was being used. And even though they have tidied up a lot of it. Um, you know, there's there's a billion people on Facebook, and uh, that's that's a lot of data. Yeah, although I say it's a billion people on Facebook, I think it's a billion old people on Facebook. I think uh, the young are not there. I, just on the poll of my family and their f- friends, basically, uh, all the young kids are on Snapchat. Uh, yep. Which I'm not on. No, stranger, because <laughs> we're not young, sadly, anymore. And it confuses the hell out of me. Um, but even even. You know, so one of the things um, we were talking about offline was the fact that you know uh, Facebook is is a behemoth. You know, um, and people are talking now about maybe breaking it up because they own WhatsApp and they own Instagram and and other other stuff like Oculus. Um, so, would you see a good thing to break up Facebook and and maybe you know make, hive off Instagram and and WhatsApp and so that there's more competition in the space, or is social media just becoming so passe it doesn't really matter anymore? Uh, no, I mean I think people. I mean I use it on a regular basis. I I post all my photos that I take up on Facebook, um, or or Instagram depending on if it's an well, album. How do you or, choose? Um, if it's if it's a, a a random photograph that I've taken on my phone, I do it to Instagram if it's that I've taken a series of photos or an album on my camera that get, then goes up on Facebook. Right, okay. Um, whether that whether <laughs> that is their logic there or not, I have no idea, but that's just what I've done and uh, so um, but I think, you know, I, I, I think even though uh, I think the, the, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram are all owned by the same parent company, they're actually to a degree... They are hived off as separate groups. Well, um, you say that, but, you know, the, the owners of Instagram or this, the founders of Instagram uh, walked uh, did, because did, they were saying that Mark's little reach, you know, yeah, is coming in. And, and it is, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, WhatsApp is slightly different because it is end-to-end encrypted, and in theory they can't intercept stuff in between, so there's much less that they can do with the actual data, while Instagram, of course, is, is people's... Um, photographs and comments and they can data mine that as succinctly on Instagram as they can on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think on WhatsApp it is slightly different because it is purely a messaging app and they 
in theory, um, there are people that say they can, but I think because it is end-to-end encryption that they they do not intercept call uh, intercept um, messages going yeah. through the system. While on Facebook Messenger, they almost certainly do. So um, again, there's a difference between using Facebook Messenger and, and using and, and using WhatsApp um, because Facebook Messenger is Facebook messaging on top of Facebook, so that information is stored on Facebook centrally, um, where they can data they can data mine your conversations. While WhatsApp, they can't. So I think there's more of a danger of sort of Facebook and Instagram being that they're, they're using that data for whatever reasons they use that data, and and it is to sort of degree now. Even you know, if you go onto another third party site and you look at some, some trainers. Um, you'll remarkably get adverts on Facebook saying, "Why not go and buy some trainers?" Yeah, it's and, ad, ad retargeting. Yeah. yeah, and they, you know, Facebook do a huge amount of that, and it is, uh, you know, it, that's you know. But you know, I, 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 I think I use Facebook responsibly, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, if as the, if they're going to mine that data and I get to access it for free, you know, that's that's a a reason for using it for free. Yeah, I, uh, that is that is the key, isn't it? it it's free, you know. Uh, the old adage: if if you don't pay for it, you are the product, you know. And we are the product. They are mining our attention and our data. Um, I I have a rule which simply says I won't post anything up onto Facebook that I wouldn't want to have, you know, re- reused in a public domain against me, you know. So clearly, you know, we all have you know private thoughts that we don't post or you shouldn't post. Um, you know, the, the famous old drunk tweeting, as they call it. Um, so I, I think as long as you use it responsibly, it, it, and it works for me in a similar way to you, it's friends, it's family, it's just that uh, tangential awareness of what people are doing, you know. You don't have to go into depth. It's it's digital chip wrapper for me, you know. It's like, I see someone, oh, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, oh, great, you know. And the next time I see them in the real world, there's an element of conversation that you can engage with. Um so in that sense, I, I, I still like it. Um, but are we going to see in 2019 any changes to the way social media is used? Well, I mean, T- Tim Berners-Lee, who invented the World Wide Web. Um, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Sir, indeed, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Um, you know, and he's now come out with a new system called Solid, yeah. where you are in control of much more of how other people see you 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 can expose as much or as little data about you as you as you wish uh, you know at the moment it's still a bit of a techie thing for i techie. signed up and it was like mm, okay you know and then, and then there are lots of people trying to break the mold but it's at the moment it, people generally accept convenience rather than um you know you're giving away a bit of privacy but it's just completely convenient to use rather than some random techie protocol that might offer you all the fantastic security features that you might want, but it's a complete nightmare to to use and install and, and all the, 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 the hardship that goes around it. Yeah, there, there is a um, new file system that's floating around called IPFS, Internet File System, uh, which is going to allegedly replace HTTP. Um, and that's a file system designed for distributed um, uh, computing, fundamentally, where you've got a 
like solid, you've got your data stores, your personal data stores, and then the IPFS is like it's sort of somewhere a hybrid of an HTTP and a, a peer-to-peer protocol so that I could just communicate directly with you, Steve, rather than communicate through a third-party no. server and then back down. So I don't have to go up to Facebook's servers and then back down to share that photo. I could, you know, peer-to-peer share a photo with you. So that's quite an interesting... It, it, it's so slow and embryonic, it hasn't even... Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Going going back into the depths of of, of computing, I mean, there's a, a Bell Labs who developed Unix, which became Linux, which is a, a an operating system which is which used. is the basis for the Mac operating system. Yeah, well, it's uh, they, they actually used Mac, which is a M-A-C-H, which is a di- slightly different branch, okay. but it's a um, it it all comes from the same stem of yeah. it. it was a, a, a multi-user operating system with it but but the but bell labs came out in the 70s with something called plan nine. Oh right which, what's that which, which this is, is new a, to me which, which is a d- distributed operating system oh really okay has all the basics of you ran your little bit of stuff on your little bit of thing but it was part of a bigger picture and again um you know it was done as a, a as a it was actually named after the i don't know if you've ever seen a awful film called plan nine from outer space clearly not no um you should look it up one day it's, but you just said it's awful so it, why would it, i well <laughs> it's it's awful and it was one, it was a science fiction film that they you know the ufos were literally saucers being thrown across the screen and <laughs> special uh, effects, no cost exactly. And uh, but anyway, the Bell Labs, um, which was a huge entity at the time, that there's owned, owned the whole f- phone system across the the US. They invented Unix, and then they came out with this new distributed operating system called Plan Nine, which you know it was a research tool. Um, but you know they were way ahead of this in the seventies, right? So, okay, so we, we, we're looking at the fact that um, social media... So, for, for me, I think the trend for social media in 2019 is going to be smaller, more personalised groups. Um, so, a lot of the dads where I live here in Cook and Dean, we're on a WhatsApp private channel, uh, and, and, and entry into our group is restricted. You know, we have to know you, you can't just watch what we're doing. and So, it makes the, the conversation much more trusted, Um because we know everyone in that group. Um, if somebody in that group then, let's say, does something that we don't approve of, we can just remove them from that group. And it's quite a nice, safe yeah, environment. I mean, you know, you've got to, I think there's, 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 there's pros and cons. You know, you say if you don't like what somebody does, you can remove them. I mean, you know, obviously with a small group of people, that becomes a... Um, that, that's something you can manage... But obviously, if you're a, I mean, and one of the big criticisms of Facebook is that they don't remove if someone's doing something um, potentially illegal or spreading race uh, hate yep. or, you know, that that. But they have to be very careful that they don't become editors because as soon as you become an editor, you are in, you basically have legal. Uh, responsibility for yeah. all the content that is on the platform. But I think, I think they're going to end up there because Germany brought a law in last year which said that, you know, um, Facebook is a media company and if it doesn't remove the content that is blasphemous or, or whatever or uh, hateful, um, that they will have a percentage of their income. Yep. And, and, and so, and you know, and, the, and the, there are some very, uh, yeah, the UK has some very odd laws on. Um, on defamation, for example, mm-hmm. um, which actually stems from a court case against Demon Internet 
in. Oh, right. That full <laughs> circle comes back. Um, and But no, that's set case law for the UK. Yeah. So, you know, if, if your content provider is told that there is defamatory material about someone, as soon as they are notified, they become legally liable for it. Right. So you no longer have to sue the, 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 the originator of the content as soon as the, the, the hoster of the content is notified. So in the UK, actually, people tend to remove content as soon as it's, they, they've been notified, whether it's found, whether it is, is defamatory or not, because if, as, as soon as they don't, they are then they're legal liable for it. Yeah, but and, that, and that, that, that fails that, when the server is hosted in another country. Yeah, so there's, there's, you know, obviously there are huge... So, I mean, Facebook has servers everywhere across the world, and, you know, if you look at the, their data centres, they are, you know, where they sit them next to a river because the river provides the cooling and they've, they're in wherever where they've got wind farms next door that are pr- providing all the energy for them and um, you know so the, the, the river actually warms up because they've got 100,000 servers in there Okay so so from what I can gather from what you're saying social media will tick along nicely still um, it may or may not have a few more restrictions and controls around it but we can see it pretty much staying the same. Yeah, I think it was. You know, there's still a, you know, the, the the Snapchat generation will grow up and they want to stay in contact with people for longer than the however long the Snapchat conversation is, and they will, you know, there and until something genuinely comes along that is better than mm. Facebook, um, people will stay using Facebook. And I can't. I personally can't see anything. Have you seen anything? Not, I, no. no. I mean, yeah. Google tried with Google Plus. Yeah. Uh, Google obviously have actually it was hacked and and, and they exposed lots of data, uh, user data. So Google have rather because it was never it has never reached the the size that they wanted it to. They decided to close it down. Yeah. Um, so you know, I th- and, until something better comes along. Um, you know, I think Facebook is here to stay. Which is why I go back to my original comment that actually had they broken up Facebook, as in Instagram, WhatsApp and Facebook, you would have had true competition. I, I don't, you know, I mean, Facebook bought WhatsApp and, and Instagram because they were mobile clients. And, you know, they they wanted to own the mobile customer. Hmm. So although they... You know they 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 have recently started integrating Instagram backend stuff with Facebook backend stuff. Um, that's actually reasonably re, re, uh, recent move. Yeah, and you know they with with WhatsApp again. It's they want the customer and they want the WhatsApp. Although they they're still using WhatsApp, um, they still own the customer. And that's you know if they had not bought those companies, those companies were growing at such a rate. That those weren't Facebook customers, and they need, that Facebook needed for them to still remain as part of the Facebook family. Yeah. So not not a lot of change in social media then, really. So let's move on. Will will the workplace change in 2019? There's been some reports over Christmas, and there's been mumblings throughout 2018 about four day working weeks, and you know reducing the number of hours, keeping the salary. So there's, Famously, there's a company in uh, New Zealand, it's a, a will company that uh, experimented with reducing the number of hours its staff worked. So they only worked, instead of the 40-hour week, they worked 35 hours a week, uh, but they got paid for a 40-hour week. 
and they saw a 20% increase in productivity. You know, is this something we can see happening or is this just a, you know, an outline, a one-off? I think, well, A, I think there's, there's new, like, things like machine learning. Um, other people would call it artificial intelligence, but I... I <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one, yeah. But, but you know, machine learning and deep learning and neural networks where, you know, people like DeepMind... Um, who did AlphaGo and then AlphaGo Zero, which did beat the Go champion, and they've also done you know Alpha Chess, whatever, beat the whichever Grandmaster. Um, you know, that technology is making such a fundamental difference into how people can do stuff. So it's not going to affect me or you doing generals your day to day life, but if someone is doing research on uh, material science where before you know like uh, one of the one of the materials that was introduced that was I invented discovered by Manchester University was graphene yes which, it, which it, we've it, sadly not retained in the UK which it, but it's you know graphene is a is, is a single film of, of carbon molecules that are arranged in hexagons all joined together and they found it accidentally by pulling off a a, a, a graph they had a graphite block which is what you basically have in your pencil and they put a bit of sellotape on top of it and pulled the sellotape off and found that there was a layer of of stuff left on there and then they tested the properties of that and it was found to be you know a thousand times more stronger than steel, steel and yeah. it's more conductive than steel the heat conductive properties are better than anything else but then actually then people started going well let's have a look at we know that graphene does that let's look at silicon oxide and make that into a horizontal sheet. And the, suddenly all these miraculous properties comes out. Now, machine learning um, is very good at going, here are the rules. And, you know, material science, uh, medical stuff, uh, you know, like the searching for things like breast cancer from mammograms. Yeah. You know, a doctor will look at a mammogram and go, I suspect that area there is slightly darker or whatever that is potentially cancerous. If you feed the, the last 20 years worth of mammograms into a machine learning system and build a model, they can become much more efficient than a human can be. And they don't make mistakes. They are predictable and reproducible. And they will... Give that result every time. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it's a repeatable, uh, actionable result. And they can process that data. It's completely scalable because yeah. if you need more more things processed, you add more computers behind it. And therefore, you can the amount of data that you can process is immense. So if you're doing mammogram scans, you know, you just give it to a machine learning system and lo and behold, it'll go, yes, this is a suspected cancer or no it's not if it is you then give it to a human who's going to do some more analysis on it but generally uh, they have very few false positives and they have very few false negatives um, now if you get a false negative that's really bad but with machine learning they're getting better and better and better so the the, the, the false negatives are becoming negligible um, and therefore if you have a few false positives it doesn't matter compared to having false negatives now, machine learning systems can, can like, uh, uh, it's all based on bias and training. So that you can have massive problems. And as Microsoft discovered when they released their uh, machine learning uh, chatbot, chatbot on called, Twitter called Tay. Yeah. And unfortunately, 
people worked out it was a chatbot and they biased it with right-wing pretty much neo-nazi yeah. propaganda and that that that's what it assumed was normal um behavior and therefore had a huge bias and therefore suddenly it was it was you were talking to it and it was coming out with all these horrific things which you wouldn't well expect. this week this week alone google um used machine learning to get a image to map onto google maps and they used the machine learning but it actually taught itself yeah. wrongly and it started hiding elements of it to save itself time and it started learning to hide things which is quite scary in itself. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at... Uh, so when, when Google acquired DeepMind, within six months, DeepMind technology had been integrated into 60 Google products, including their advertising networks and their Google Translate. Mm. So what, and what they didn't expect on Google Translate is that it, it developed an intermediate language, and which now, if they give it a new language, it can make something like a 70% accurate translation without having ever learnt that language previously. It's amazing. So given machine learning is going to incrementally improve lots of little things, yeah, and, it, but and then... Yeah, so things like, I think, in, in medicine, it will make huge revolutionary changes because just the amount of data that you can process where humans can't i mean can do it but it takes an awful long time it takes a lot of humans as well and it takes a lot of, uh, while this you just feed the data in so if you're looking for cancers or looking for uh, even things that that uh, they're looking for now that things like drugs what well, if you give the drug here has its main effect but it has a side effect but that side effect actually can be useful for something else you know machine learning systems can just be given this data and they will come out with these inferences from it automatically because it's just crunching huge amounts of data um, so I think in medicine it will make a huge difference. In things like, uh, they're even saying now that uh, certain legal procedures could be fully automated so that if you put someone in front of a judge, it's a rules-based system. Therefore, if the rules are well-defined, a machine learning system can do it faster. Absolutely. There's a great book. Have you, have you read the book by Dr. Uh, Professor Hannah Fry? I have. Yeah, and she talks about, you know, the having machine learning judges. She also talks about, going back to your mammogram example, um, a pigeon actually got it more accurate than a doctor. But that's, a, that's just another story in there as well. Um, okay, so let's assume machine learning, and we all do, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, I'm not a Luddite, but there are a lot of people who are, you know, anti-technology because it's changing society. And I think... Brexit is an example. I think Trumpism is an example of people being displaced out of work. And we're seeing the first signs of that. The French uh, recently with their yellow jackets. I think it's the beginning signs for me of where human displacement is being affected now, where people are now not earning the money they wanted to earn before or not having the jobs they had. Um, and this will only get more and more. It won't get less and less. Um, what is the future of work then? So where, where, what are we going to do? Because Yuri Naval calls them the great unwanted. 80% of the human population will be out of work in the next no, two decades. You know, I, th I think that is, well, there's potentially, I think that at the moment people are still required for creative things and people are still required for um, making things. Um, obviously, um, 
as you go into you know mass production those things all get automated um and that's the, you know the the next level of um robotics for example is not the more sophisticated robot it's the robot that can sense its surroundings so if right. you if you go into a car factory now where you have a robot that spot welds something you if you walk in there and you want to investigate the, the you better turn that robot off because it doesn't know you're there yeah and it's going to just either whack past you and and, and lit- well, it's just got one job bang 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 and if yeah. you're if you're in the way you're in the way and it has no so that the, the big revolution in robotics will be self-aware of robots which will have sensors all over them so that they will be aware of the surroundings and they if if, if there's something in the way that shouldn't be there it will be aware of that and take action not to collide with it or or do whatever and you know that similar technology that's being used in self-driving cars and all these other things that they 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 are aware of their surroundings and and that will make a huge difference but the workplace will change and and see i i I worry because from the agricultural to industrial revolution we just took people off the land brought them into offices jack marr the ceo of alibaba gave a great speech about it and said, you know, we reduced the hours that people worked from the land to um, the office. And then what we're doing now is reducing the hours again. I think we're just going through another revolution. I think we will, I mean, uh, Richard Branson said, you know, we will have to get used to the fact that a three or even a four day weekend is the new norm as opposed to... And I, you know, as long as the economy can, can cope with that, I think one of the big problems is that we don't know how to deal with leisure properly yet. So yeah. if, you, if you have a, a massive population that is only working three days a week, um, you are going to then have problems of, of what to do with, what do you do when you're not working? Steve, we've run out of time, mate. We would love to talk about this much, much more. Steve, thank you very much for being my guest this week. It's a pleasure, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. That show was amazing. To listen again, please visit our website, marlofm.co.uk, or visit our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology. And now you can subscribe on iTunes. Never miss a show again. See you next week. Same time, same place.